0: When you're suffering, you might be tempted to think something is wrong or it's because you've done wrong. Pastor Ed Taylor shares this encouragement. We serve and
1: minister in a real world where good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people and vice versa. We serve and minister to real people with real needs and real suffering and real sorrows and real difficulty who have even real people that have a real genuine relationship with Jesus. That's the reality. It's, the reality is not what is portrayed on television. Suffering lies to us and tells us that somehow we're substandard or we're not important or we've done something wrong when in reality suffering comes to us all and it's not strange that you're suffering today. It's not strange.
0: This is amazing grace. For me. there's an old fable that says the gold objected to the heat of the furnace and asked how long it should be expected to endure such heat the answer was as soon as the refiner's purpose is accomplished and when will that be asked the gold the answer was when the refiner can see his own face in you welcome to abounding grace with pastor ed taylor and our study of second corinthians Today, we'll take a look at what the Apostle Paul referred to as his thorn in the flesh. Still today, God gives his children thorns, and as we'll see, it's for good reason. Here's Pastor Ed in 2 Corinthians 12. You
1: recall that 2 Corinthians is written to a church that, or written to a church where Paul's apostolic authority and credentials are being questioned and undermined. If you want to find the book in the Bible that gives you the heart of Paul the Apostle, it's 2 Corinthians. It reveals him as a pastor. I would add it into the pastoral epistles. If you ask any Bible student, what are the pastoral epistles, they'll tell you right away. Any good Bible student, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Titus, I would add 2 Corinthians. Because it shows a pastor from the heart of the matter, from his own lips, facing false teachers and Judaizers and those that wanted to receive praise and honor from men and took advantage of Paul's absence to undermine his authority and to lie about him and to take advantage of people. And here's the thing. This is what makes this so insidious. And it's something you want to stay away from as a follower of Jesus. It's something I need to stay away from. And that is in order to build yourself up, you'll have to tear someone down. That's why the Bible says to build others up and humble yourself. But the worldly way is I'm going to build myself up. And if you do, the worldly way of building yourself up, you have to tear someone else down. And that's what they're doing here. The more that they can tear down Paul, the more that they can look more important, the more that they can seem more important. And Paul gets wind of this. He writes a letter and says, well, no, 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 not only am I writing this letter, but I'm coming. Uh, It's going to require my presence. So I'd rather have it all fixed before I get there but if it's not fixed when I, by the time I get there, when I get there, I'll take care of it myself. And those of you that have studied with us through the entirety of the book, you know that all kinds of things were said about him, all kinds of things. He, they, were even, they even made fun of his appearance, his physical appearance. They made fun of his manner of speaking. They undermined him, ridiculed him, slandered him. And he is standing strong in the grace of God. And he tells them of, his, of the honorable hand of God upon his life. How God honored Paul by calling him and using him. How God honored Paul by giving him incredible visions as we saw last time. How God honored Paul by revealing a heavenly glimpse as a sneak peek. Allowing him to hear unspeakable words. And the false teachers couldn't make those kind of claims. And they certainly couldn't back them up if they did. And when you look at human history, if you look at the biblical history of man, even Moses who was close and intimate with God, met the Lord on the mountaintop. What a grand and glorious experience. Moses got to receive the law from God on the mountaintop and get a glimpse of his glory. But Paul, he met God in paradise. I mean, he got that, wow, a heavenly glimpse. And it's been 14 years that Paul exercised great restraint and yet he found that time where he had to give just a little bit. And that was the first nine verses, or really the first six verses of our study last time, where this vision and experience was one of the sustaining powers. I think that God will give you a word, and he'll give you a scripture. A lot of times, you know, when I'm ministering to young men or... or men and families in general that have a desire to plant a church and move to a new community or or come to a new community, I encourage them. You, you've got to understand your calling. You've got to know that you know that you know you're called of God to do such a work. And they go, well, yeah, I am. And I said, no, no, it's more than just, yeah, I am. You've got to know it. You've got to recognize it. You've got to have a scripture to stand on. You go, wait a minute, Ed, why are, you so, why are you emphasizing this so much? Well, because the spiritual warfare will cause you to doubt it over and over and over and over again. And I think it's true in any calling of God where you, you need to know that you, know, you, can't, you can't just take spiritual leadership upon yourself. You can't just say, well, you know, I'm good with people, and so that makes me a spiritual leader. Well, good with people can be used in a variety of different ways in the body of Christ, not necessarily as a spiritual leader or in a person of eldership or a, a pastoral position or even a, a, ter- a long-term missionary. You're good with people doesn't, make, doesn't necessarily mean that the calling of God is on your life in that place of spiritual leadership. You want to know your calling, and I would just say that God is reminding you because right now the enemy would like to undermine your calling. It would like to undermine your willingness to fall. He would like to make you doubt. And, and when you do doubt, it's not like, well, I'll never doubt. No, 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 you will. That, that's part of the humanity. You'll, you'll second, maybe, it's, maybe you don't call it doubting. Perhaps you'll call it second guessing. Or maybe you'll call it, I wonder. Whatever you call it, your calling will be under in question. And you want to be able to fall back on, no, no, no. I was doing my devos on this day, and the Lord gave me this scripture, and he told me to do this, and I'm obeying him. And I don't know how it's going to be, and I, I know it was going to be hard. I know it's going to be difficult, but I'm obeying him, and I'm going to stay the course no matter what comes my way. You know, prayerfully, we never have to face what Paul the Apostle did. I, I haven't met anyone that's faced as much as Paul did. Never in my life. I've had my fair share of trials and difficulties in the midst of a couple right now in my life. Nothing like Paul the Apostle. But I'll tell you, when we get to the section of Scripture that we're in where Paul describes this thorn in the flesh, that I can understand. That I I can relate to. That I'm like, okay, I see, Lord. I understand. And I, man, my heart goes out to a guy like Paul and to the many that have these thorns in their life that you're pleading with God to remove. Tough times Paul knew of which he spoke. Just like Jesus warned him in Acts chapter 9. Go, he told Ananias... Go find that guy, Paul, that guy, Saul. Go find him and tell him because I'm going to show him how many things he must suffer. That that has to be like, that has to be like, I don't know. I haven't read the, I haven't, when we put together the new believer packet um, many years ago, I haven't read it. I I don't think we should put, we have on the front, welcome to the family of God. But what we should put on the front of that is I'm going to show you how many things you're going to suffer for Jesus' sake. Because following Jesus isn't easy. It's not a trip to your best life. Oh, come on, come to Jesus and everything's going to be fine. You know what I find is that many people that come and surrender their life to Jesus, things get worse because now they have to deal with the issues that they've pushed away. And now they have to come to terms with the reality of all the things that they're bringing in. They have to repent of their sins. So some people go through detox and some people go through like, man, you know, I I can't handle problems. I've handled problems this way my whole life. And you go, I know it's been the wrong way your whole life. And now in Christ, following him, I could hear the echoes of heaven saying, yeah, you know, you get eternal life, but I want you to know it's going to be many, many things you're going to suffer. That's not unusual to hear. Those of you that have committed your life to Jesus, those of you that have raised your hand and said, I want to follow Jesus or stood up or walked in the aisle, those of you that have picked up a new believer packet or listened on the radio and you pulled your car over and in tears you asked God to forgive you, I want you to know if you had a true born-again experience, it's a true born-again experience of pain and suffering. If you haven't experienced it yet, it's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time. The grace of God is upon you right now. That what you're experiencing is less. I mean, even as folks that are not connected to God suffer. It's not just like a Christian thing. But following Jesus, well, Jesus said, in this world you have tribulation. And I I believe Jesus. I believe him when he says that. And I also believe him when he says, but be of good cheer. Because I've, I've overcome the world. There's more to this world. And there's more to life than this world. So Paul is walking through. He just talked about this great and grand revelation. Can you imagine getting a glimpse of heaven? Wow. Suffering is a part of life. Turn over to an earlier section, chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians with me. Suffering is a part of the believer's life. Under the power and sovereignty of our God, he allows, you know, the consequences of sin and the consequence of our own decisions. Pick up with me in verse 15 of 2nd Corinthians chapter 4. Therefore we do not lose heart even though our outward man is perishing. You're there with me now. Perishing. What is your outward man doing? Your outward man. Pinch yourself. Yeah it hurts. It's perishing. Listen carefully when you wake up in the morning and come down the stairs. That's not the wood. It's you. It's you. It's not the wood. You've been blaming on the. It's you. You're like, what is that? It's your outward man is what? Perishing. There's a Greek word for that. It's something that's hard to describe. Let me tell you what it means. To defile, to decay, to destroy, or to corrupt. Paul says this is a matter of fact. This is what's happening to our outward body. But he's not just referring to the bodies physically, but to the world. The outward man is perishing. The world, the visible world, everything in the world is wearing away and wearing down steadily, irreversibly falling apart. And you're like, thanks, pastor, that's so encouraging, so uplifting. Well, as you grasp this foundational truth, church, you get the perspective that you've been looking for your entire life. You get the explanation for many of the questions on your heart. Why does it seem why do things seem to be getting harder? And why does it seem why what, what, what's happening in my body? And, and why are my friends and my loved ones dying? And what, what, what? It's because your outward body is perishing, and the reality is, is that we're all going to die. And the question is: where will you go after your last breath? The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord for followers of Jesus. That's not just a broad promise to anyone that hears the bible it's to those that have a relationship with god their creator have turned away repented from their sins and surrendered their life to jesus to be absent from the bodies to be present with the lord but for those that continue to live a life that is clinging on to this that which is perishing well then the rest of verse 16 cannot be yours You see, even though the outward man is perishing, the inward man is being renewed day by day. Our bodies wearing away, our possessions wearing out, our relationships wearing away. You get a group of friends around you, and time and circumstances, they begin to, well, fall away, pull apart, move, you know... People will move away from you and relationships change and our families, they wear away. The kids grow up, they move out. Some go home to be with the Lord. Your athletic skills, your athletic skills. Did you know that you're not the same athlete you were in high school? You're not the same, so be careful. All of you that are plotting and planning to go after me on laser tag, you're not the same athlete you were. Take it easy. Take it easy on me. We're not the same. That's how people get hurt. That's how, you know, knees bust out because we think in our minds that our bodies are not perishing. They are. Yes, the inward man. Oh, we're becoming more Christ-like or our bodies are wearing away. In other words, Paul's telling us that everything your heart desires, everything that is all, everything that, all that you are wanting in the physical realm is like air and it just, it's gone. It's gone. That's why Jesus would say it a different way. He would speak of the perishing of things, and he would do he would use it in a different way. He would say, Listen, follower, listen, my disciple. I can almost hear I could see, you know, my this that holy imagination of what it would be like for Jesus to say, Look, you need to learn something yet if you're gonna follow me. You need to lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, that's where it's at. You know, moth and rust, they don't destroy in heaven. He's telling me that things don't perish in heaven that not only is the inward being renewed but the outward has been completely restored he says don't do that instead you know don't lay up for your lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven not on earth where moth and rust can destroy where thieves will break in and steal where those things that you have the minute that you get it it starts to fade away the very minute it it's in your hand it begins to well in a more technical frame you know it starts to depreciate and lose value it starts to wear out you can't hold on it you can't hold on to things you can't keep them you can't preserve them take heart in our modern culture looking at following jesus you know we may begin to believe that it's all about the visions and it's all about revelations and it's all about heavenly visitations and it's all about being comfortable But he says, again, if you're still with me in chapter 4, for our light affliction, verse 17, our light affliction, that's how the weight of living in this world, what Paul says is it's my light affliction. It's just for a moment. And it's working in us far more exceeding an eternal weight of glory. And while we don't look at the things that are seen, and that's how we can picture the glory and the beauty of our bodies wearing out, but our minds being renewed and the hope of heaven and the promise of God is we need to be careful that to not look at things that are seen, but the things that aren't seen by faith, to have eyes of faith, because the things that are seen are temporary, but the things that are not seen are eternal. And part of the things that are here is, part of the things that we endure are afflictions, And difficulties, so many things that Paul went through, and this is just like the devil. The devil's a rat, man. He plays everything against us. He doesn't play by rules. He's dirty, conniving, and we do really a bad make a bad decision when we cooperate with the things of the devil and the dark things and the demonic realm. We just we 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 make a big error when we do that because he already has these schemes that he uses against us. And he's a rat. And what's happening with Paul is he's going through what's normal for the believer. The things that he went through, all the things that we looked at in a previous study of shipwreck and being beaten and all those things, those, those were because not because he was a bad follower, because he was a good follower of Jesus. Because he was right where he needed to be because he was getting it from his countrymen, and he, his friends were betraying him, and, and people were going after him, and, and the fruit of his life, I mean, he, all he did was plant churches in God, just like, like, just, like his, just like his Savior and mine, the reward for everything that Jesus did was what? Crucifixion. What did Jesus ever do that was wrong or bad? You know, Jesus was, what do you accuse me of? What sin do you accuse me What did I do? And nobody could say anything. Instead, they just crucified. And so the things that Paul was, here's what the devil does. He uses the things that Paul were going through in obedience against him. And they were telling, he, they were telling the church in Corinth, Paul's going through what he's going through because he's not walking with the Lord. Because they become like, and if you're not careful, you'll, be, you'll do the same thing. You'll become like Job's friends. And you'll look at someone's circumstances, and immediately you'll jump to the wrong conclusion. Now, of course, you you may not get as bad as these guys and try to destroy a man from it, but it's possible. And you and I, we don't want to become Job's friends, except in the first seven days. That was the best friendship they could have ever offered in the first seven days. You know why? They didn't say a word. They just sat with him and comforted him with what we learned, especially during the time of the Aurora theater shootings, we learned of the ministry of presence just your physical presence to be available to be used by the lord because it's awkward you know what am i supposed to say don't worry about what you're going to say jesus said just be in a position to say something when my holy spirit gives you the words don't worry about what you're going to say he says what tells his disciples you know when they go before these authorities don't worry about what you're going to say and by way of application we're like okay all right lord all right what did peter say Peter said it this way, beloved, do not think it's strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. And what do we do? Every time a trial comes our way, or many times, we think it's strange. <laughs> You're like, what's this all about? I mean, I've 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 lived my life to please Jesus. I, I do my devotions. I, I pray. I give faithfully, tithes and offerings. I help my neighbor. I could put in extra time at work. I I'm and then when a trial comes our way, we start to think, this is crazy. But it's not. It's normal it's not strange it's not strange that you're facing what you're facing right now follower disciple of Jesus it's not strange it's not strange what you're going to face tomorrow or around the corner it's hard and it's difficult but not strange and it does seem strange for honest that the righteous suffer while the ungodly seem to have it all seems strange Seems strange to us that what, after all that we've done and our time would be rewarded with pain, seems strange that we're living for God while others that hate God seem to have no problems at all. Yeah, it seems strange for the man that we follow would be rewarded with a flogging that most men didn't survive and then to be hung on a Roman cross, which was just torturous death. Like the psalmist said, you can jot it down in Psalm 73, verse 12. Look at these arrogant people enjoying a life of ease while their riches multiply. Was it for nothing that I kept my heart pure and kept myself from doing wrong, the psalmist says? All I get is trouble all day long, and every morning brings me pain. Psalm 73, verse 12. That's from the New Living Translation. But that's the real world, isn't it? We serve and minister in a real world where good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people and vice versa. We serve and minister to real people with real needs and real suffering and real sorrows and real difficulty who have even real people that have a real genuine relationship with Jesus. That's the reality. It's The reality is not what is portrayed on television. That's not reality. It's... The opposite of reality. Even reality TV is not so much reality. It's TV and the movies all put together. I remember the first time, it it may not be that big a deal to you, but there's things that pop into, things when you learn it. Even when you're older and you're like, I'm this old and I'm just learning this. But this was many years ago when I found out how they made movies. You know, they don't shoot them in order. I didn't know that. Like they'll shoot a scene that's going to be at the very end. They'll shoot it first and then they'll do this and then an actor will fly in and out and then they put it all together and edit and cut it and I'm like, really? I mean, that's really fake. That's really not real. And, and I just remember that just like, wow, like the Lord is just giving me another thing where it looks real. And if they do it right with the music and the emotion and the script, I mean, you, there, there's some, they do movies so well. Like you're just, I, I remember when I first watched Up, you guys remember the cartoon Up? I cried. Did you cry? I cried. That's a cartoon. <laughs> but they did it really well, didn't they? I mean, that, like, wow. It's even hard not to tear up watching it now. And I know what's going to happen but it's not real. Something not real can get some emotional response from me and something not real can get my attention and something not real can get my devotion and something not real can get my commitment and something not real can rip me off from what is truly real in my relationship with Jesus Christ and what's true for me is true for you. Suffering lies to us and tells us that somehow we're substandard or we're not important or we've done something wrong when in reality suffering comes to us all and it's not strange that you're suffering today.
0: It's not strange. You're listening to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. If you joined us late or would like to hear this message again, turn to AboundingGraceRadio.com. Or you can listen through our app, too. Search for Calvary Aurora in the App Store or Google Play. If you take a brief moment to write or call, that would make our day. Let us know the station you're listening to, and if today's study was a blessing to your life, we'd also love to pray for you. You can email us through our new website at AboundingGraceRadio.com. .com by clicking on contact. Abounding Grace is made possible through the support of our listeners. And when you give a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace, you're invited to request a copy of The Third Option by Miles McPherson. In it, Pastor Miles speaks out about the racial divisions in today's world and encourages us to see people as God sees them. It contains awesome, practical takeaways and exercises to help you understand the points of views of others. I think you'll also be inspired and encouraged to make positive changes in our country, starting with yourself. Again, ask for a copy of The Third Option when you call today at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. Your generosity helps us provide the teaching of God's Word on stations all across the nation. We're constantly hearing from listeners that have been helped and are growing by God's abounding grace. Thank you for standing with us. Making a donation to the ministry is easier than ever, as you can now do so through our website at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Tell a friend about these daily studies, and then be sure to join Pastor Ed Taylor next time for more teaching from 2 Corinthians. That's right here on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace.